Uh, thank you for doing this on no notice and uh, basically ah. no guidance beforehand. Hey, no problem. I'm all for it. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, any questions for me or you want to jump in? Uh, no, nah, nah, I don't really have any questions. We'll uh, we'll do it on the fly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm like the more uh, I'm the most organized I've been in like I don't know forever. So that counts for a lot. Points and stuff. I've even got some notes on uh, community development. I know that um, I never got around to making that video. I'm I'm still planning on making it actually pretty soon here. So might want to that- touch on that too. That's one reason I was excited to see your name pop up when we talked about this, because we've been talking about doing something like this for uh, over a year, at least, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of uh, swamped with work and then now I don't have a job. So, (laughs) Uh oh, well, uh, let's start getting into it first. uh, Let's have you introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Okay, cool. Um, I'm Rick Oakland. I'm a game designer mostly, um, but also developer. So right now, solo dev. Um, just kind of doing everything, uh, community, uh, marketing, doing the art, the programming, the sound, the the music, it, everything you could think of, right? Um, so yeah. you were kind of a nights and weekends guy until, I mean, what, what happened? Uh, yeah, so the last three years I was working at a frame shop and um, just doing the nights and weekends and just, and, you know, just kind of working my tail off um, for both jobs. And um, yeah, so one day I... I was actually, I was thinking about quitting. I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about quitting. And I think my boss kind of picked up on that and Mm. he just, he just assumed that I had another job. So when I asked to use my uh, paid time off, like a landslide occurred and all of a sudden I was just like out of a job and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I didn't, I didn't, it made it clear that I didn't belong there. So I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds like uh, it's easy for me to to say, but I mean, bullet dodged, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I should have left there a long time ago. And I, I, when I started there, I really needed the money. I had nothing when I started there. So I'm glad that they got me by, but I shouldn't have stuck around as long as I had. So, you know how it is. I do know how it is. Something I hate about that is I feel like we see these situations all the time where I'm a person who's moved around between jobs a lot and uh, not because I've really ever been fired, but always something broke down between me and management or something became overwhelmingly unbearable until I just had had to go. And I feel like employers do a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, obviously, they're not allowed to, like, take it out on you that you want to use paid time off that you're entitled to. But it's like also you know, what are you going to do? Sue them, you know? And they know that. <laughs> and sometimes they do get, uh, the matter goes to court, but not very often. And they're just used to getting away with it. The so. owner is pretty rich guy. So no chance, right? <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, exactly. Stupid. But you know, well, now I'm getting, um, unemployment when I wasn't expecting it. So that that's however it works. Right. Sorry to hear it overall though. Um, I'm glad we're finally getting to do this call. Uh, and I'm I'm dying to hear about you do all kinds of stuff. So the big thing you're doing right now, correct me if I'm wrong, retro space ball, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's number one priority. When trying to this... open up the Steam store. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to know. Like, where is the project at? How long has it been going on? Describe the game for people. Okay, yeah. So it's a vertical shooter combined with pinball. So it's it's kind of unique. It the um, as as far as game design is concerned, it's been a challenge. I'm not going to lie about that. The first two or three years was all balancing. I'm still balancing the game. So yeah, 
there's a lot of, um, it took a while to understand, for me to understand the core mechanic, um, which is essentially moving the ball from the bottom of the level to the top of the level. You wouldn't think it would be that difficult, but there's actually a lot to this game. It's mostly because of the, the amount of physics that are going on in it, right? I'm shooting bullets really fast at a ball who's trying to fall to the bottom of the level. So there's a there's a lot of just like bouncing around that occurs. And uh, you could imagine colliders and stuff. They don't always <clears throat> do what you expect. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> so sometimes the ship goes through the wall or the ball gets stuck in the wall or things like that. You know, I'm still fixing some of these bugs. It's in beta. So mm-hmm. I'm... I'm uh, I'm not too concerned that that I've got some bugs still, but I, at the same time, I'm I'm weeding them out one by one. So when did uh, yeah when did beta start? It, you know, it's it's a funny story, really. Um, so I put the the first like pre alpha, one of the first pre alphas up on uh, itch. So the alpha was kind of it was too quick i guess and i, I kind of jumped into what I, what i considered beta at the time and now i've just been in, in beta for like the last two years so yeah. <laughs> a lot of people would say like beta is like right before release it's like eh, you know it's, it's a term that people recognized at the time um now i think people understand demo or kickstarter or whatever that you know there's so many different terms you could use but when i first released the beta a couple of years ago i was like well it's a beta so it's better than how it was you know (laughs) yeah and i mean itch seems like a good place for what i would i kind of lump all those concepts into a sort of work in progress category and itch seems like a really good place to build out your game i mean i've done smaller versions of this also but uh it seems like you're making really good use of the itch system i like the the page for this it looks really cool and i like all the the graphic design stuff you've done to promote the game it's thank you I feel like the game's cover photo gives you a really good feel for what you're going to get, which is... I appreciate that. <laughs> it's kind of a nice uh, nice change of pace because sometimes you have no idea from like a store page what you're getting into. But this is... If you if you picture pinball games and, you know, space shooter uh, type spaceship games, those are both deceptively complicated projects on their own. And you've decided to tackle the hardest parts of both which it seems to me like that's created new issues. I'm sure uh, just from the combination. And I, I don't envy the development you're doing and I'm not surprised (laughs) this has been a a work in progress for a while. So uh, you can, you can tell from videos that this can't be easy to work on. It's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I'm still making a lot of mistakes. Um, And that just goes to show that game development is difficult and, um, you know, everyone's got a different path and everyone's going to learn different things at different times. Um, and, you know, if I had worked in AAA right out of college or something like that, maybe I would have picked up on other studios making these mistakes that I'm making. But at the same time, the mistakes that I'm making, I don't see them to be as detrimental as a big studio might um, mm-hmm. because I'm learning from them. And then I'm, I'm taking what I'm learning and I'm, I'm either pivoting on it or um you know focusing on a new way to make it work and uh it's it's been working well for me i'm I'm seeing exponential growth and i've been seeing it from the start um so when people when i hear people talk about like oh i'm not seeing growth i'm it's like oh that kind of sucks but at the same time i'm doing a lot of effort to get that growth too it's it's been it's been a job for sure what's the what's the player count like on the uh, itch side i mean give me a ballpark I, you know, I actually have a timeline right here. Um, 
So it's it's kind of funny, right? I'm gonna keep saying that because the whole the whole story is is a little funny to me. But nothing's um, ever normal in game development. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's a little weird. But there was <laughs> there was you know a web build that that kind of just like shot everything. You know, people play web builds. They do. I yeah. or at least they did a couple of years ago when I when I first put it up. So people were playing it in this super early early state where like the game was. I mean, the bullets were moving really slow, you know, like the, it was a challenge just to n- not die from the lava at that point. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so when players were getting mad, you know, I would I would like fix things and work <laughs> around what, what they were getting upset about. And that's that's actually what made the the core so like worthwhile today is that I every time someone like stumbled and hurt themselves, you know, uh, metaphorically, um, I went and I, I like patched the hole, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I feel like a game like this really requires that where a lot of indie games are doing the opposite where they're like, Oh, well I have this, this grandiose idea of my own. And, and if people don't understand it, that's because they don't understand my art or whatever like that. And right. I'm not really looking at it at that angle at all. I'm looking at it as like, yeah, I mean, I came up with the design idea because I thought it would be cool not because i thought other people would think it would be cool right but other people are playing it. i'm not i'm not making it just for me i mean that'd be pretty boring <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. i mean I, I love the game but it's it's a lot of work it's not like i'm having a i mean i have i'm having a great time i am but it's not like i'm like oh i'm just playing games all day you know right. so i would like for other people to feel that way playing my game <laughs> if i can't someone should <laughs> But yeah, you mentioned numbers, and I, I didn't mean to avoid that. The oh, first no. yeah. year or so, it was the MAU was all under a hundred, right? That's the monthly average, um, or is it, is it average? Yeah, monthly average users, right? Hmm. I think that's what it stands for. Um, so that the uh, like in a thirty day period, there was less than a hundred people playing in any given point in the first year. But then at that point, um, what happened was pirates took my game and put it on their websites and hmm. that really boosted the numbers which is it's really weird because then things started happening to the the uh what is it the uh the uh the dau per mau right <laughs> so you started to see dips in that where people were finding it on the pirate sites and because they were playing it but they weren't coming back to it um so, but luckily, itch actually fixed some of that. Where if you go to those sites now, it, it directs you back to itch, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. yeah, but then there was another spike about a year later. Of so the first spike, what do I got here? It was um, where did I write it? <laughs> I wrote it in two different <laughs> spots. Sorry about that. Okay, so we have we have a uh, three hundred and seventy um, MAU during the first peak, and that was May two thousand or I'm sorry, twenty nineteen. Um, so yeah, three, 370 people in a 30 day period playing it. Um, so that's what it came. I, the first build was in November of 17. So just over a year or so after release, um, that was the first beta. And then once I put in versus mode, there was another spike, um, a matter of months later in, uh, March of 2020. And that was 475 at its peak in Hmm. a 30 day period. So, I mean, those numbers aren't massive for someone who's on Steam or someone who's, 
you know, got a, a publishing a publisher or a budget or things of that nature. But for someone who's, I was, I was still like very small fledgling on uh, Twitter. I had no followers on itch. Um, I, I really had nothing going for me, but this little web build that was making its way around apparently because people were playing it, um, even though it wasn't very good yet. So I don't know how it all worked, but eventually um oh and i you know i did uh new grounds as well and i think that oh, okay. really helped propel as well <clears throat> new grounds has a really funky method <clears throat> excuse me I need some water here they kind of gamify um what they do with their their social aspect of it which is really cool actually um there's just a really weird community on on new grounds so a lot of devs avoid it because of the community but if you put your game up there people are going to play it <laughs> they're going to they're going to rip it apart which is which is what you want right <laughs> yeah. that's that's what you want so put your game on new grounds let them rip it apart you don't have to do it again just take the the valid input fix your game with it and that's what i did when i put it up there and the um it was the beta it got like 400 plays or something on on new grounds um within you know a few months or something and um almost every comment on it was negative on the controls because I had made some changes based on someone's feedback and they weren't good changes. So, I mean, you got to be careful on the changes you make. And when you're in live development like that, you probably are going to make some mistakes and people are going to hit them, you know? So you just got to be quick to fix it. And um, that's, that's what I've been doing. So yeah, there was, and then, so after that second spike, there was a whole nother year where, which I'm in now, of, of below 100 MAU, because what happened there was I actually couldn't make the web build anymore. The game outgrew the web build, or mm-hmm. I no longer know how to make it work. I don't, <laughs> something sure. happened where I gave up on the web build because I'm not going to sell that anyways. And it was taking too much time to try to fix. After yeah. about a few months, I was like, okay, sorry, web build's gone. And my uh, MAU just tanked, just bottomed out. And it mm-hmm. happened right around the same, same time as COVID too, so... All of that combined, just I hit my low. I think it was like ten, or I think it was eight, eight people in a thirty-day period. So, yeah, that's it, my numbers for you. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I think people oh, will absolutely. find that. Sorry, it was so big, or you know, too no, much that, information, right? <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I rarely get access to you know information like that. I wouldn't really ask people for it, but when somebody offers it, I'm very it's interested. Yeah, I, I like I think, having it. <laughs> I think people can apply that for sure. Um, things I find interesting about that are that that first, you know, rubber meets the road where, uh, I mean, really any exposure is good exposure during that time. So if the game maybe travels out of your control a little bit, maybe it's not the worst thing. Yeah, I mean, I still sent them emails and said, take the game down because legally yeah. you're not supposed to let them do that. Right. It's so. true. I I had that same, that is one thing about web builds is they're a lot easier to capture and sort of put up on another website or something. When I did the game jam for like kids games that I did a couple of years ago now, um, you know, my son had a game idea that he wanted to see. And so I made that for him and I said, let's make a jam out of it. Everybody take uh, two weeks and see what you can do. This game I made for my kid almost immediately showed up on like two other websites and I was... 
because of the emotional element of it. And it was for my little kid. Like I was really angry when I saw that. And like I tracked down somebody in charge of that site and I said, how are you going to compensate my kid that you just stole this game from? So you let me know. And they, they they actually got back to me. You know, it was, it was (laughs) a bluff. I had, I had no leverage whatsoever, of course, but somebody got back to me like, we're we're really sorry. We're going to take this down. Uh, (laughs) But for that reason, when I put up stuff on itch, especially, uh, I tend to lock it behind uh, the paywall and say, like, it's it's a dollar, you know, it's a dollar to do it. And and that's not a good way to bring in players. But I was mad at that time. So I kind of did that. But it's it's interesting that the game traveling kind of puts some new eyes on it, which makes sense. You hear that every once in a while from people who go like we our game was, you know, rampantly pirated. And suddenly we brought in all these new sales. That's cool. And then uh, as as the web build sort of outgrew being a web build, it does make sense that you took a hit. Um, but that's also very frustrating. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm as, okay as with it, it. You well, know, I have good. I have a, a good testing base now, and that's really what I wanted, and I got it. So you know, how I still want people to pay for the game when it comes out? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, how close do you think you are to that that Steam sort of? full release i would i would love to say within the next two years i I would have a full release out but you know who knows at this point right (laughs) we'll have to see i could end up with another job soon here maybe not it it doesn't we don't know we'll just have to we'll just have to it'll it'll be done when it's done right (laughs) it's a weird time because i mean everybody says like oh there there are all these jobs and employees aren't going back to the same jobs or the same kind of jobs now and I still know a ton of people who are looking for work because whatever happened during the pandemic, uh, they haven't been relocated yet. So it's like we hear their jobs, but I see all these people looking for them and it doesn't seem like a guarantee that people are finding stuff very easily. So I don't know what to think about that. There's a, there's a lot of jobs out there. I'm, I'm applying for jobs, not not jobs that I will never get, but jobs that I, um, you know, if, if I was poor, I would probably just get any job you know what i mean but luckily i have some savings from my last Mm -hmm. job and you know i would love to continue working on this game and i I was saving so i would be able to so i'm i'm using my savings on the game essentially but i'm still looking for work so you know hopefully i find something and i can i can feed back into the savings again um you know but then the other thing is is that retro space ball is kind of gearing more like an esport now with the versus mode and stuff it's people are looking at it more like wait that could be an esport so i mean if i were to go the route of like a kickstarter and a uh, online multiplayer type thing there is a chance that this could be something of a uh, rocket league type scenario where it becomes a a full-time job Right. Competitive games become a business a lot faster than, uh, you know, your, your micro studio that puts out a fun indie game. That's cool. And maybe you get to tackle the next thing or whatever. But yeah, competitive online games seem like stop what you're doing and nurture this and it's going to take all your time. And, and honestly, I love retro baseball. So if this was going to happen to a game, I would I would so prefer it to be this game than some other game that I just like happen to be messing around with. You know what I mean? So yeah. This, that's what I'm shooting for with this project. If it doesn't go that way, I'm not going to try to force people into that. I'm just going to go with what people are feeling um, because I, I have other projects I'd like to work on too. So yeah. I, I have more in the books, you know, I've got the notebooks full of ideas. So. It's got a very cool retro appeal. Uh, you know, it looks, looks perfectly well in its place in the nineties. 
and uh, which Thanks. is cool. And to add a competitive element to that, it's like that kind of fills a little bit of a gap that we don't have much to uh, to fill with, you know. So I I kind of like that, and I, I hope that does take it. off that way. Oh, I pr- I appreciate that. I really hope it does too. Um, you know the. I'm having fun with it still, you know, and honestly, I haven't really changed the versus mode all that much up until like today. I just started making some major changes on it um, in like the last year and I'm still playing it and having fun with it. So, I mean, that to me right there says a lot because, you know, I get kind of bored with things kind of uh, quickly if I don't Mm -hmm. really enjoy them. So there are people who make games like this. Uh, who are less technical and it's more approachable for them to do. I know that's not you because you've done much more technical development than this. So, uh, I mean, what tools are you working with? Are you working with a, a more advanced engine or what do you do? Uh, for this one, this is just Unity and Aceprite. That's pretty much all it needs. Um, I, can't, I can't think of any other... Oh, uh, Ableton. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I am a music guy. I've been a, a music guy before I was in games right i mean don't get me wrong i was probably designing levels on paper at the same time that i was picking up music and stuff but i was in bands and stuff you know and uh i I love making music so i had already planned on making video game music long before i could make a game (laughs) nice my streak continues all all my guests have been musical for like a (laughs) month and a half or something it's it's just such a great medium it really is uh, it's it's like drawing a picture, but with with air pressure. <laughs> exactly like that. And so, uh, yeah, I I did buy this this fancy MIDI controller. I can show you here and and Ableton, which Ableton is not cheap for anyone who knows. So this I've is the that, MIDI yeah. controller here. Ooh. <laughs> so that's that was not cheap either. They're both actually about the same price. They're about um, eight hundred bucks a piece or something like that. I think. Yeah, that's up there. But Ableton came with the suite, which has all the built-in plugins and stuff. And some of these plugins are like 200 bucks if you buy them on the street. So yeah. it kind of pays for itself. Or Do people buy a lot of plugins on the street? On the street. Yes, that's where you get plugins. Right? <laughs> out of a trunk. That's the, what the I picture. Gun. Yeah, no, it came out the back of a truck. <laughs> get them while they're hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's funny. The, the last musical purchase I made like that was, I'm looking because it's across the room over there, is a, it looks like a pretty nice keyboard, but it came from Guitar Center and it was about like 98, 99 bucks. And it came with like a miniature version of Ableton. Yeah, uh, not physically miniature like I'm presenting here. But, no, the uh, Express version. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, live or something. But um, but that, that was cool. And I, I like the sort of keyboard experience, even though I'm not an experienced keyboardist. Uh, that's still during a game jam. It's a really cool way to just crank out notes and sort of lay the groundwork for whatever track you're working on. And uh, that software is actually really useful. I mean, compared to the suite, it seems weak because it doesn't have all of these MIDI stuff. But if you're doing just recording stuff, it's great for that. And it's probably maybe uh, what 80 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I think for something, you know, and it usually comes with an instrument. That's how I got it. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fan of that too. So that's something for people to check out if they're looking for that kind of thing. Um, some, this doesn't have to be a complete topic change, but I'm dying no. to hear about your experience working on Dodge People. Oh, Dodge People. Yeah. So uh, that was, was it global? I think it was global game jam. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 20, 20 something, 2019, I want to say. No, 
2018. I don't know. One of those years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was um, the university of advancing technology. Um, they had their, their group and I was, um, I had been to one there previously. And um, so I was going to IG, IGDA meetings, right. You know, the IGDA and um, th- unfortunately they haven't started back up yet. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping they will soon. Um, but yeah, so I had gotten some people to come with me to the next one and we we formed a team and we made Dodge people there. So it wasn't, I wasn't doing a lot. Of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was doing a lot of the modeling and the sound and I, I was doing stuff, but the ideas weren't all mine. So I, I can't take full credit for Dodge people. Um, actually, uh, Liza Nipshire came up with the idea and she's a, she's a dev as well. She's, she's really cool. Um, she's, she's got this, uh, cookie gardening game that she's working on now. It's a VR kind of thing. Um, nice. but yeah, she, she was working in VR and had a VR headset and she's like, well, let's do it in VR. I was like, let's, do, yeah, let's do it. You know, we had <laughs> other people and we're, yeah. So we just all decided, yes, dodge people. This is the game that we're making. And then there was, a uh, someone that worked at Sony there who was, uh, judging, and he really liked it because he were he had tested the Sony VR and he was telling me about how they couldn't get it to work and stuff. And we as the the fact that we got something working in 72 hours was just amazing to them. And then it was, you know, not not polished, but relatively polished for a game jam. Um, it was playable. So a lot of the people's, you know, even like within the building weren't playable when the 72 hours are up because a game jam is difficult, you know? Yeah. And yeah. the first one I did there wasn't playable after the, you know, I got, I've been lucky with game jam. So I have two playable game jam games. That's good. Any playable game jam games is, is very good. Um, on YouTube, I'll, I'll drop in footage of that, of course, but for the podcast listener, if you have not seen this, which maybe you haven't, uh, the the concept is it's dodgeballs playing dodge people by literally like throwing people back and forth, which is yes. hilarious. And it's as funny as it sounds. And, like reverse uh, dodgeball. Reverse dodgeball. And it's it, it it was just the perfect joke for me. It cracked me up forever when you uh, you tweeted something about I, I don't know how it came up, but you showed it to me and I died. I died that day. <laughs> extremely yeah. funny and uh Sounds yeah like that, something i do <laughs> <laughs> more people should know about dodge people is my uh my stance it's, but this it's is pretty funny <laughs> that's kind of what i mean like you've been involved oh, i did in... the voicing on it to the voice acting right that is awesome there's there's <laughs> one point where someone else told me to write the line. i didn't write the line but the line is i have a family <laughs> <laughs> so when you're throwing the guys like, i have a family it sounds just like that because I did the voice. <laughs> so classic. I, I love that. So awesome, humorous project under your belt. And like I said, fairly technical stuff. So, I mean, you could be doing uh, just about anything you wanted to work on with, with those skills and you're choosing to do retro space ball. And I think it shows, I think it, it, it's a very nice looking retro game and uh, it, I haven't played it myself yet, but it, the videos seem to be very, you know, you can get a sense of the gameplay from watching the, the the clips and stuff, and it's it's very cool what you've accomplished so far. So I I'm think a lot of people. I'm definitely interested to hear what you think when you play it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm going to be playing it as soon as possible. But I think a lot of people would have abandoned this project when they actually started to combine the two gameplay elements and tackled those uh, technical issues we've already discussed. 
that first curveball was a rough one when I realized that the game wasn't just good for being a game. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like I've I've had versions of this where I was like, what if I combined this with that and I slammed them together and went, Nope, don't want to deal with that. You know? That's what it felt like, but you know, I was really new to like just solo development, right? Mm-hmm. I had done I had done team stuff and I had done solo development by myself, right? This was the first time I'd done a solo project and put it online. So I was really excited that people were playing it. So I just I just wanted them to keep playing it at that point, right? I was I was yeah. like oh my god someone played my game yes i'm going to make it better they hate it they hate it i'm going to make it better so they play it again i'm going to give it back and then i did i would i'd email them a week later be like hey i I know you hated it but i made it better and then they'd play it again and sometimes you convert people that's it's so cool because i've talked to a few developers with that approach who do get the, the the nasty comments or the critical comments whatever it is some people do it nicely and some people don't but the ones who take that and go First of all, what can I filter out of this and, you know, get the little nugget of truth or uh, constructive feedback out of this and they address it and they will go back to that person. I can think of three people, including you. The others are uh, Ryan Ingle, who does uh, Topgolf's VR game, uh, Thomas Kildren, who works on uh, a VR. They've both been VR developers, but the ones who go back to those people and go, here's what I did. And I'd love to hear your feedback now those turn into super positive experiences usually and the games make leaps and bounds. I I don't think everybody has the courage to do that. Like there are situations I wouldn't have done that. You know, it's that thick skin, you know, everyone talks about If, if you don't have it, it hurts, you know, but you develop it over time. So, and I mean, starting on old school gaming websites as, as you kind of have like new grounds. Uh, I, I imagine you get kind of the best and the worst of the worst of uh, feedback and players. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen it all at this point. Nothing surprises me. And I think that helps, you know, cause it, it helps me to put myself beside cause I, I am attached to it. It's, it's impossible to say that I'm not, it's everything that I do right now. It's, it's pretty much everything I'm doing right now. So yeah, it, I'm attached to it, but I can put myself to the side for the sake of the game. That's just Hmm. what you have to do. What other kind of uh, teamwork have you done other than dodge people? Oh yeah. You know, I I just realized that something that I was working on when I started retro space ball actually just got released. Um, Hmm. It's called today is my birthday. Now what this is another funny story besides just a, a funny title because that is a funny title um so this project was a fiasco <laughs> and i'm not credited on it <laughs> and i had i had to talk to the publisher to get my logo pulled from the title <laughs> oh this sounds yeah, like a good one <laughs> it was a it was a doozy man this studio man the, the um the lead he wouldn't let anyone play the game the whole time during the development in fact we didn't do any internal testing and he gave it to influencers without internal testing and it bugged out on the influencers. Oh, <laughs> I was, I was looking for that video to show a, a network of mine. And that's when I realized the game is released and I couldn't find the video anymore. <laughs> Holy crap. That's... But yeah, the game doesn't look very good. Um, a lot of the assets were like either free assets or, um, 
like sourced or they paid people for the stuff they couldn't source. Some people got paid and some people didn't get paid. Um, so I was kind of the, like the one person with all of these people who weren't paid that could actually say like, Hey, my art's on your website. It's right there. That's my art. How, and right. they're like, no, we, we removed all of the assets. We removed all of the unpaid assets. I'm like, then why is my logo on, on the website? <laughs> you know what I mean? And the publisher's like, I don't know. I, that's not our <laughs> deal. So we'll, we'll take it down. And then the, the game was down for a few months and then it was back up. So, I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm a stick in a mud type of guy, but like, you know, there was someone who had worked on it for EA that was in this group of people. Um, it was mostly small time indie people, but yeah, you know, you don't treat people like that. You just, you know, the no. thing was, is that we had multiple uh, crowdfunding solution or situations that were failures. And, um, and he's like, Oh, well, crowdfunds over. We're just going to can everything, can everything, everything's gone disperse. Right. And then he found a publisher and got funding <laughs> with all of our assets. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. So, I mean, but you know, it comes with the territory, you know, I was working with people that I met on discord and, like, honestly, I didn't really have a lot of faith in the project, so I wasn't doing a lot of work for them either. The yeah. one thing that I did that I didn't get any credit or any pay for was I did the concept art for, like, one of the main, um, like, bad guys in the game. So my concept art got used. They made a model. They didn't They didn't go with my model. They chose a different modeler um, for that, but they did use my concept art. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't have that pulled from the game, you know what I mean? Right. So... I mean, that turns into effectively your design. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my concept, right? But yeah, the writer didn't get paid. Wrote <laughs> the entire game, didn't get paid. Um, I'm still friends with him. Um, the, I think the lead voice actor got paid, but, um, you know, it was just like, like I said, it was a dumpster fire. fire <clears throat> excuse me. And at a point, I realized that I was just watching it just to, just to see if I could learn from it somehow yeah. and and i did i learned i learned from it it was it was disturbing but i learned that's i mean the nature of collaborative projects and game development that's why it's interesting to me when i talk to somebody who has managed to work on a couple of teams uh you know game jams are a bit of an exception because everybody comes together the expectations are crystal clear for everybody you know what you're going to get everyone's going to work hard it's going to be done those but, are perfect for that for yeah. learning how to do a team thing Exactly. It's a great way to learn how to cooperate towards a goal. But once you get into like, let's make a sellable product and we don't have an official uh, studio established and the the funding is not there yet, but it could be, that becomes a volatile situation. And I, it, it can but, very quickly. It's, yeah. As soon as there's tension and there will be tension. I'm surprised a publisher went near this, though, without, you know, doing the due diligence and going, this sounds like it could explode at any moment. This is a big know? publisher. Wow. Yeah. That's... I, I wouldn't go into names, but yeah, they're they're well known. They follow me on Twitter. <laughs> this is a, a very <laughs> unique story all, all on its own. That's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, before that, I was doing a project called Glider um, with this Australian dude. And we, we meshed. We were cool. But we had very different time schedules, being that he was in Australia and I was working full time. So um, we got a lot done, but not at the same time. So there was this this like 
weird conversation there. Um, but what happened with that was I actually canceled that project because I didn't, I didn't see it having a future. Um, we, we had failed to do any market research on the project. And then when I started to do the market research, I realized that it wasn't going to, it just wasn't going to work. There was already three or four games that had the exact same premise as ours as the exact same theme and they didn't do it. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, ah. That is something I like in game development though, especially the indie side is you can, obviously we're, we're all remote on most of this these days and you can team up with people you would have had no access to in areas where there are not game development opportunities. And I've, I've talked to several people who are like, yeah, I teamed up with somebody in Canada in, uh, you know, Brazil or wherever it may be. And like, I've got this phenomenal artist that nobody has access to because they just don't have a studio nearby. You know, they don't. And too many studios are still going like no remote, no how we don't care which job you want to do when, Sometimes that makes sense. Sometimes not at all. I don't, I don't understand some of the hesitation. Like, um, you know, when we get people in here who are writers and they go like writers have to move to a studio's city and they work on a six month contract. They have to get their family up and move again after that. Why, why are we doing that? You know? Yeah, that's, that to me just sounds crazy. I, I come from a entrepreneur background where I was selling art and stuff like that. Um, I was delivering pizzas to make money and then just trying to make any more money I could like hustling, you know, art, jewelry, you know, just trying to make ends meet. So to me, a business, the simpler, the better, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's something that you have to do to get by. So might as well make it simple, right? Have, you've kind of done freelance graphic design as part of that sort of side hustle also, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Graphic design, computer animation. Uh, Cause I, I studied computer animation in college, which is, is funny cause I'm doing a 2d pixel art game, but I studied 3d and I, I do 3d stuff for uh, contract work and uh, you know, I apply for 3d jobs and stuff like that. So that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, what, what tools were you using when you studied? Out of curiosity. Yeah. So in college, this was, I, I started college in 2005. So uh, it was 3DS Max and ZBrush was, mm-hmm. those were my, my two big ones. Um, yeah. Of course, lots of Photoshop, just like it, pretty much the whole creative suite was just jammed down every orifice. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Right. You know, um, yeah. but also it was a studio based school. So we did a lot of actual life drawing. Um, which actually was great for animation. Um, we had to take anatomy. So I had to learn how to draw the entire skeleton from every angle and then overlay the muscles with acetate paper. And um, I mean, it was a, it was a pricey school, but uh, it was, it was a tough school and I learned a lot. Um, I didn't get a job out of it, but you know, I learned a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I graduated uh, 2009. So the recession was still a thing at the time uh mm-hmm. probably very much like it is now if someone were to graduate college now they would or um or last year even yeah um, so yeah it was rough and that's but that propelled me it did it, it made me do my own thing once i realized that i wasn't moving to california to work for ea and you know now i don't really want to work for ea you know right. what i mean <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good job it did when i was in college and now i'm like but the other thing is that I'm getting old. Uh, 
EA looks at me like I'm a geezer. <laughs> right. They've they've got a problem with that. They would look at me as as if I were ancient also. Uh, I graduated in 2005, and I only did a two-year program, so I started in 2003, like two weeks after I graduated high school. So I something I don't really talk about much is I wanted to go into that exact same kind of program. There, It was a tech school that did software, which is what I ended up doing, but I wanted to do what they called multimedia training, which was like animation and uh, 3D modeling and stuff. And I thought, who wouldn't want to do that? And I asked about the tools because they were big on uh, 3DS Max also. And I don't know what else. They were still doing like Flash, you know? Yes, flash was I did still Flash, a big thing. yep, yep. Um, and I flash did it on the fun. software I liked, side I liked too. Flash. <laughs> I always liked Flash. I thought it was cool. I had fun doing tutorials in it and tinkering around. But uh, none of my first games were in Flash, as it turned out. But that school didn't have enough people sign up for multimedia. So my recruiter called me and pulled kind of a fast one. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't have held up under scrutiny. But she was like, we are having a lower enrollment rate right now. And we're changing some of the classes to sort of uh, account for that. And I said, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. I should have asked a lot more questions because what they did was change my major completely mm -hmm. and threw me in software, which I oh, was um. interested in, but did certainly did not sign off on. And I found out my first day when they gave me my programming books and a hard drive for all my code. And it was like, and then the, the following year, they did start that multimedia program. And I had to watch those students have the time of their lives. <laughs> uh. but, but like you, I don't think I would have found work out of, uh, out of school if I were doing multimedia stuff without relocating. I would have had to move. It's um, like what you said. Who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. <laughs> I've taught myself as much of that stuff as I could since then. I'm, I'm okay at it. I'm not going to grab any tech art jobs because in part, again, now that there are a few remote opportunities, I am still quite an old man here at going on 36. So it's, <laughs> I, I get it. I understand there are always going to be younger people going like, yeah, send me to LA. Uh, good for them. You know, I'm, I'm happy now. And when I hear something like some studio needs some remote help, I just think I'm probably okay. I'm probably good now. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the studio, um, you know, and some of these indie game studios are starting to look more like AAA studios, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's just one of those things. So uh, there's always choices, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Do your recent experiences on teams make you nervous about, I don't no. know, Let, let's let's say you know, they're not recent experiences, to be honest. So I'm not nervous. I, I would love to actually have enough funding to pay some people. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you, you you beat me to the past there because that's right. kind of what I was thinking. Well, just because you said like you know maybe maybe retro spaceball goes uh, competitive focused, and right. then uh, you you would need help, and it's good that you would be sort of <laughs> not too hesitant about that. You know? But the other thing is is that I'm I'm hesitant where I should be, and I'm I'm keen on my awareness of people now, um, mm -hmm. and, and I can kind of pick up on things a little quicker. Um, and, and also I speak my mind. So, and if it's my project, then I'm allowed to speak my mind. <laughs> so it's, yeah. that's like a whole nother thing, right? I was just having this conversation with my wife who she works in medicine and, uh, we, we kind of compare stories cause I had a long career in you know, software and, and it's just, 
at some point you're still working with people in an office place and all those normal things happen. And I said, I, you know, here at my level of experience, I really strongly believe in blowing up early and blowing up gently. So you don't have to blow up way down the road and really go off. I think, I think <laughs> you early gotta blow up. That's the way to do it. <laughs> you, you gotta, it's, and it's not that you're sticking your finger in someone's chest and getting in their face, but I mean, you've got to let your concerns be known. And I think a lot of professional problems start because somebody waited too long to speak or, uh, like you, like you said, you know, when you're in charge, you get to do it, but mm-hmm. I would encourage more people to find diplomatic ways to let their concerns be known and to tell people like, we need to put the brakes on this, or we got to get this out in the open. Everyone's got to know everything. Could, uh, so, some, some problems are going to yeah. escape that technique, but it would help a lot. I think it's like a, a, Vul- a Vulcan approach, right? Right. You gotta gotta bring your logic to the table, everybody. Yeah. Reason. Remove emotions completely. Because you're at That's work. what it is. It's it's you're you're pulling the emotion out because the longer you wait, you'll get to a point where you can't possibly separate emotion from it's gonna be you people have been abusing me for the last two years about this and I've had it, you know. Instead you can go like we need to talk about the boundaries between roles. We need to talk about the way we cooperate. Yeah, yeah. You know, Too many people honestly, just quietly leave. It's it's a lot easier to just diffuse people and be like, oh, we can talk about tomorrow. We don't have time today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or just shush them a little bit or, you know, say like, oh, well, we can do this for you. How's that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the client work, as as you know, helps teach you a lot of those lessons. When you're, oh, when you're doing the side work <laughs> and you're doing the side hustle, you learn everything there is to learn about communicating openly and honestly before it's too late. Would you it's, agree with that? Yeah, it's like the worst parts of uh, retail. I'm, if anyone oh. has any retail experience, it's like some of the worst aspects of retail that are just so in your face, they're unavoidable with when it comes to commissions or uh, contract works with small companies. You know, I mean, sometimes you're, you're literally fighting for your money and stuff. So it's like, yeah. it's, it can be, it can be draining, um, you know, and then, you know, people, they just, they don't think you're worth what you are and you have to sell yourself and it's marketing. It really is. When you're an artist, yeah. you have to, you have to market yourself. Otherwise you won't get a good price. Um, I worked at Best Buy where it had the worst possible ingredients where it was like, these are relatively high dollar amount products. You've got two people who feel like they're fighting for their money. Uh, one side doesn't understand the product. The other side is under a corporate office that does terribly evil things, uh, just horribly unfair practices. They're, they're banking on all these things like, uh, warranties that no one's ever going to get and, and stuff like that. It's a nightmare. Yeah. And, yeah. That was a long time ago for me now, and I remember almost every day of that job because it was just that often that you're fighting with some guy who reminds you of your stepdad you don't like or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, there's a, a very specific kind of customer that's known for really causing problems at a store like that. Sure. And, oh, I could talk about that forever. It's just, you know, it's, but, it's just crazy when you're when you're doing digital art and stuff like that. How many people come to you and they don't know the difference between a vector piece and a rect, and a raster piece, you know? And you mm-hmm. have to explain it to them, and that's okay. People, I like telling people it. I like I like having the knowledge, and I like expressing it. I like giving it to people so they can have the knowledge. But when you gotta do it every single time, it's like, man, can't you just look it up online before you call me? <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Something um, that, but yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say something that I've learned. <clears throat> excuse me. Something I've learned that makes a big deal in that situation and on a team and in all of those like potentially uh, hostile situations. I will stop people frequently if I haven't. If I've done my homework and I still need to know something, I will tell somebody, explain this to me like I'm a child. Like, really break this down for me so we both know exactly what we're talking about. Because miscommunication is such a disaster in this environment, you know. Yeah. I I mean, I I was there recently when I was hiring help um, for marketing. You know, Mm -hmm. break it down for me because I'm trying to learn here, you know. And honestly, I learned a lot through that. So definitely... I would say learn as much as you can from anyone you hire. <laughs> yeah. It's just all around good, good advice. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you're supposed to bring in help that's better than you at stuff. Why shouldn't you learn along the way? It's, it's part of the value of that, I think. So um, speaking of marketing, you're ah, yeah. always, you're always working on community management stuff and, uh, you know, sort of your own PR. I know you're working on content people can look forward to like videos and things like that. But, um, what are some good tidbits? What are some things you're experimenting with right now? Give us a little behind the scenes. So this, this major project that I have, I mean, I've got a lot of ideas and I would love to continue to grow my YouTube channel for my, um, well, for both for my podcast, which I haven't mentioned at all, but I, I have a podcast, uh, Indie Game Dev Report, and then for my studio um, YouTube channel as well, where um, this first video is is going to be about community development. Um, and it's it's a little funny because I don't have the biggest community. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, well, what is he talking about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. It, you have to grow things slowly. Otherwise, it's not going to be stable. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And um, today is my birthday is a great example of a, a very large server that did absolutely nothing <laughs> for them. <laughs> um, so someone went and grabbed all those people and said, hey, join my server, join my server, join my server. And they didn't buy the game. They didn't yeah. buy the game. They didn't market the game. They didn't talk about the game. They didn't do anything in the server except says, wait, whose birthday is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one of the things is to just, is to not do that, right? Don't just, <laughs> don't go grabbing everyone. I mean, maybe it's a good thing to do. I haven't done that. I haven't done it with my server. So maybe that's why my server is not as big, but the people that are in there, you can actually talk to them and they right. actually respond or most of it's actually in DMs. I don't know. I think it has something to do with my community being somewhat shy. I think my community is just kind of shy and mm-hmm. that's okay because I get three or four uh, different people DMing me about pretty much the same. It could be the same conversation, but it's coming from different people and people feel more comfortable with that. So I'm okay with that. Um, So that's another tip is that you should just kind of go the direction that your community goes. Don't try to force it, you know, corral it. You know, it's a little like hurting kittens at points, but the kittens know where the fun is. So, I mean, (laughs) let them have the fun too. You know what I mean? And you, you can try your best to keep things on brand, but you can't, you can't be afraid to go a little bit off brand. You know, like I have, I have one channel in my discord where people can just post pictures of, of retro aesthetic stuff. Nice. Completely outside of video games, like, like a boom box that you had when you were a kid <laughs> and everyone would be like, I had that boom box too, or I remember that boom box or, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things that you can, you can do to make things fun, you know, other things like events, right. I don't, 
I don't do a whole lot of events on my server, but I'm involved in servers that do events. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's one today um, for the Tucson game server. I'm, I'm not in Tucson. I'm, I'm in Phoenix, but the, the Tucson server is so much better than the Phoenix server that I'm like, I'm, I'm attending their meetings and stuff because they're all where the fun is, So yeah. yeah, why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have, they have a great guy talking about um, what is it? Um, like code and stuff, uh, reconfiguring your code and stuff. So, I mean, that sounds like, that sounds like something I could do. Yeah. or learn from so anyways on a little tangent there um so basically there's going to be four chapters in this video and the first one's basically about setting up foundation the second one's going to be all the different um kind of community roles that you can look out for not so much like roles like discord roles but um some of the roles would be like a lurker um you know the people who actually chat the people who help other people those types of people interesting yeah, so you would you would uh, identify them and then kind of uh, facilitate their goals, right? Uh, to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve out of your server. Um, so chapter three would be um, all on super fans, which is one of the roles. I'm not I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term super fan. It's pretty well known yeah. term though. Yeah, you basically turn your your fan or your your fan that's kind of becoming your friend into a major supporter, possibly a moderator, um, someone who can really amp things up or just, just help you have fun at what you're doing. Um, Stan Lee called them the true believers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True believer. Exactly. So you gotta, you have to, you have to nurture them. This is like a garden. And then um, the fourth chapter would just be a bunch of different methodologies, which is kind of the tips that you're asking for. One of the greatest tips I think is to take notes on discord, right? There is a little section in your in the profile where you can actually write about the person you're talking to, and they don't see it. I love so, that. Yeah, I do it for every single person. I I said they liked my game, <laughs> yeah. they tested it, or they didn't like it, or they do. They are an artist, they're a musician, um, they're a student, whatever it is that is going to help me remember them, because mm-hmm. that is going to be a hard thing to do once you have a big community. It's hard when you have a smaller community. Yeah. Um, Killer feature. Yeah. yeah. Taking notes. That is number one. And take, if you're already taking notes, amp them up, make them better, man, because you can't have uh, notes that are too good. Um, Yeah. So working design pillars into your branding and your, your discord is actually another um, methodology. Um, Let's see, of course, bots and discord roles. That's like a whole nother thing. Most people already can, can find that somewhere else. Um, Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then I was just going to mostly go into a, different, a bunch of different resources and, um, you know, how to how to use multiple Twitter accounts and stuff like that, uh, marketing content uh, pipeline. Yeah, mar- marketing content pipeline scheduling. That's a big one. That's, that's where I'm basically just grinding and grinding every day to put out a tweet. Well, not every day. You know, I, I don't tweet on Sundays anymore, and I don't tweet on uh, – or I do like a, a follow Friday on Friday. So I don't really count that. I, I don't need any content on those days. So I yeah. get a little break. So, but yeah, every, every single day I wake up and I think of how can I get something that I need to do in my game to look good on Twitter? Nice. And that I think a lot of people don't think about it that way, but it, it, it took me a while too. But now I'm looking at it. it it's like bites. Imagine that you're like, a 
some type of animal that needs to eat, right? Like a human, <laughs> you're taking <laughs> bites out of your game. Um, but these bites, they got to be the right size so that you can get it done in a manner that's going to look good on Twitter. It's not easy and it's not going to work every time. I mean, some days you're like, uh, why isn't this working? Or, or how come this can't look good? Or like, I just can't get it to work on time, right? Mm-hmm. Time is a thing. All of a sudden, if you have to do it every day. So the trick, trick number one is to do it the day before. That's uh, a lot. That's a no brainer, but a lot of people don't, don't pick up on that. Every tweet I do is done the day before. Yeah. I schedule it and I schedule it for a specific time when things are blowing up in the morning. There's, there's two good times, I would say, um, and any given day, but the morning's always going to be a better time. And, and you can kind of figure it out. It's going to be different depending on your time zone. But um, for me, it's around like 5 a.m. I'm in uh, Mountain Standard Time. So for you, that's what, uh, two hours later, right? Like seven, yeah. Two hours later? Yeah, so, so. yeah, yeah two hours later. Or uh, Yeah, so yeah, around that time in the morning, that's when things are exploding on Twitter. And then there's another uh, point in the afternoon around um, six or so my time. Um, but this is going to depend on your country too, right? Because Europe has a different time because they actually, our tweets actually kind of feed into their tweets and they like reverberate a little bit. There's some yeah. reverberation between... Europe and um, US. I don't know. I've been watching Twitter a lot. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, so so Twitter, um, Discord, and then podcast. Those are my main three for um, trying to just kind of get word about word out about myself as a developer, about my game, and also with my podcast. I'm I'm doing. It's not just like oh, retro space ball podcast this is a podcast about other indie games and i I happen to mention my game every once in a while yeah um the the formats like this where i do about 15 or so to maybe 20 minutes of just like shouting out projects that i like and that are doing good or or people that have helped me or um you know things that are going on in my circles or in the sometimes the further reaches as well sometimes just kind of indie news makes it into that segment and then the rest of it is an interview um and that's that's it that's it seems to be working. I'll probably keep the the format similar to that, but um, yeah, it's I I like it. It's mm-hmm. podcasting is a lot of fun. <laughs> I've not been able to stop, so <laughs> that's you what know, I tell I, people. Like I've I've yeah. quit several times. I always keep going. <laughs> I'm, I took a I took a bit of a hiatus, and I'm still kind of on that hiatus. And I'm just kind of I was just kind of trickling out episodes for a little bit. And um, I you know I what I did was I took on way too many. Cause I had my other job and I had the game and I was taking on podcasts every week and it was just like, Holy cow, that's too much. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take a step back and slow things down. I can't keep up with you. I just, there's no way I can keep up with you. You got <laughs> new stuff coming out all the time. I know it. My, uh, my buddy, Matt sent me, uh, he goes, listen to this like five minute clip of this guy talking about podcasts and, and, they, they started this because they wanted to interview a, an expert on this because a, uh, a number had come out that there were like so many million podcasts now. And they're like, you know, is it oversaturated? How could you ever keep up? And the guy started going through these elements like, let's talk about podcasts that have had an episode in the last year. Uh, he started with podcasts that only had one show total ever. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a bunch of them. By the time he got down to like a, one episode in the last seven days – there were only like a hundred thousand left. Yep. So 
it's it's very doable for people who want to do any regularity at all. And I would say that could be two, three times a month would be, I don't think I'd go less than twice a month, but if you can do at least that much, you can, you can grow a podcast. It won't be all at once, but you can grow one. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I've been having good results. I mean, not nothing astounding, but good results. Um, you know, it's, it's fun. And I'm I, the best part is that I get to talk to people like you. I get to meet people. You know? I love this stuff. Yeah. Connecting with people who are doing this stuff. What, what, what more could you ask for? You can't really yeah. get this on Twitter quite the same way. Uh, no, it's totally different. I, so I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big believer in it. And uh, if you don't want to have one, go on one, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great way to get the word out about things and just, it, it feels good. It's a nice thing to do. I think. I agree. 100%. That's an awesome preview, and I think people will be looking forward to uh, the content you put together about this because you've. It, it looks to me like you're cracking the code pretty pretty effectively. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're sort of getting getting into the matrix of all this and figuring out what what supercharges it. And uh, I like that. I like the deep analysis of what's actually working out there. So that's very cool. Yeah, you know, it's taking me some time, uh, but I'm glad that I'm I'm putting that time into it. Uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people. And um, I, I really hope that it helps to kick off my uh, my YouTube channel where I'm probably going to do tutorials on Unity and stuff, uh, animation and all types of stuff, because I'm a generalist. I, I do it all. So I might as well teach some other people. I mean, I learn from other people. Might as well teach. Right? Very cool. Well, uh, as is tradition, let people know where they can find all your great work and uh, where to follow you. Absolutely. Uh, so my website is uh, rickoakland.com. So my name is spelled R-I-K-O-C-L-O-N, like Nancy. Um, yeah, so rickoakland.com. And then there's also at Rick Oakland on Twitter. Super easy. Uh, YouTube, you just you just search because I'm not that big. <laughs> that's what you do. That's what you do on YouTube. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, quality oh, and tweets and quality You can content. search Retro Spaceball too. It's got some great SEO. <laughs> yeah, comes right up. So very cool. People should at least, at very least, check out a video of the gameplay. It's very compelling. It's very interesting. And then, uh, you know, swing by and, and give it a play. So this will be... I'm looking forward to seeing how you do on Steam and uh, how far the game goes when things really break open for you. I, I think it's good stuff, and uh, good stuff tends to perform eventually. So looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, I, I thank you so much for having me on. And it's just been a blast talking to you and keep and keeping you as a friend has been fun too, man. Likewise. I like, I like following you online and uh, those are the people I like having here on the podcast. So thanks again. Awesome.